Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Trackside. I'm Terry. Right there is Randy. Randy, I noticed, uh, you know, we've gone through Thanksgiving, believe it or not. I noticed that since we've had Thanksgiving, your your voice seems to be a little bit deeper. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm not sure why. Just, yeah, I just that was my next question, wondering why. And uh, I had some people in New York send me uh a text saying that they saw you in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day parade. Were you were you campaigning there, or what were you what were you doing there? Uh, I, they, that I'm not sure that I would suggest that I was there. I will say I did watch the Macy's Thanksgiving Day parade. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But you weren't really you weren't funny. actually there. I uh, well okay. I, I don't remember being there, um, <laughs> but, but but that doesn't mean. You know that I wasn't there. It just means I don't remember being there. Gotcha, gotcha. And as Forrest Gump would say, that's all we're going to say about that. Uh, and and also, um, we were just talking off air. You have something cool um, that a lot of the sponsors are taking advantage of, but our listeners could have uh, a piece of this too. And we do have Christmas coming up, etc. You have a die cast of the Daniel Die Number Forty Three truck. Made by the world famous Lionel. Tell us how a little bit about that and how maybe the fans can get their hands on that. Be pretty cool. Yeah, it's, it's pretty. And you got them at the dealership too, right? Yeah, yeah, we do. I, I, uh, it's a little bit. Um, it's kind of odd to think about it uh, that we have um, uh, a diecast of uh, you know your your son racing, uh, but it is the exact truck that we had. Um, at Daytona uh, last year, and uh, the diecast has become available, and uh, uh, you can get it definitely from the Lionel Lionel.com, um, and uh, uh, they, I think they're online for $63. Um, we have some uh, limited number uh, here at the dealership that you can get, and uh, I would say that they're probably – you know they're probably not as pricey uh, as the, as that. I'll diecasts are usually a lot more expensive than that. But um, and then uh, if you want to, I think Daniel on uh, shopdanieldie.com actually you can get an autographed version of it. He he as he signs the windshield, so you don't you don't it doesn't mess up the the paint scheme at all, <clears throat> um, which is pretty cool. Um, I've had I've had a few already, but I've had to sell mine several times and wait to get another one. So, um, <laughs> I, yeah. That, but but anyway, yeah, we have them, and they are. I think they are a great Christmas present if you're a if you're a, a diecast collector. It's pretty cool. That's our that was the first truck that Daniel ever drove anywhere, and uh, and it's the it's the Daytona. It's the hometown Daytona truck. Yes, hometown is the key, and you can get it at the hometown dealership over there at Daytona Dodge. That's pretty cool. You know, those are going to be quite valuable, and I have one more question on those before we move on. Uh, when the day comes when Daniel wins the cup championship, imagine how uh, valuable the 43 diecast truck from last year's Daytona race would be. Have you ever been thought on that scale at all? And then my next question was, what scale are these? Well, these are 124 scales, uh, and um, and I don't dare think like that. I mean, um, uh, it's you know we got a long ways to go, and uh, certainly I think if you're going to play football, you tend to want to you tend to think out what it would be like to to win the Super Bowl, right? Uh, uh, it and I think it's no different. Uh, I'm sure there's a there's a there's a hope at some point we get that good uh, to be able to compete in that race, and um, uh, you know and, and and you know if we're fortunate enough to to do that someday, that'd be awesome. And um, you know I think if you think about let's just use Ryan Blaney, uh, let's talk about him. You know I remember when Ryan Blaney ran a quarter midget at the Newsom run a quarter midget racetrack, and I'm sure there was a thought in his mind about what it would be like to be a NASCAR champion at some point in time. Mm-hmm. But now he is. 
Well, and that's so, kind of what, why it popped into my mind when, when we said the word scale and the scale of time back when watching Daniel die, jump up and down on the bleachers at Daytona and then all the way to now where he's uh, second year going into third in the truck series, it, it squeezes it down. You know what I'm saying? I mean, well, it, it, it definitely does. I mean, it's, it start it starts to make, you start to think about it a little bit. But also, you know, Daniel and I had a talk the other day, and um, because he's very competitive, he's very calm, but he's very competitive. And, and we were talking about just the whole thing and, and, and what what's next. And you know, by the way, we got some. We really did a lot of work. We got something done, and we'll make an announcement here very very soon. Um, that that uh, we'll try to do it first right here uh, on on trackside. But um, you know, if you think about Daniel's professional racing career and i'm not i'm talking about outside of the late model stuff he has run um he ran eight arca east races he ran 20 arca races and he's run 23 um nascar craftsman truck series races his entire nascar slice arca and by the way, more than 50% of it was ARCA. Uh, his is his, uh, 50, 51 races. I think that's right. 23 in um, uh, 20, in 28, yeah, 51 races. That's it. So he's, um, he, he's uh, uh, really very much a rookie. Yeah, yeah, and, no uh, doubt about it. But but then on the other hand, accomplished a lot in a short career. There's no doubt about that. Amazing, amazing. Well, it, it, it for sure. I mean, we're we're we have still the same philosophy that we had when we started quarter midget racing, and and at that time it was you know hey, we gotta learn, we gotta get better, and we gotta have fun, and uh, that's that that's the criteria, and so. Um, we kind of we we try to uh, we try to deploy that philosophy to what we're doing, and and you know we had to remind ourselves of this uh, earlier this week, last week actually, um, about how many races we've run um, and what the expectation is, and 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 are we learning, are we getting better, and are we having fun, and I think. We're definitely learning. I think we're definitely getting better. Some days maybe we don't have as much fun as others, right? <laughs> but in the big scheme of things, in the big picture, yes, we're having fun. And one of the things that I I'm, I think, honestly, Terry, and if you don't mind, I know this is running longer than what you had planned. Um, the, I think one of the things I'm the most proud of um, is – how we've utilized the NASCAR platform to do something good, not just for our own community anymore, but for the communities all across this country and really now across the world with Race to Stop Suicide. You know, um, I, I said this from the beginning that it was a, that, that if we were going to do this, we needed to do it in a big way, and uh, especially once I started to learn about the numbers and how many people were affected and what, you know, that was, by the way, pre-COVID when all this conversation started, and then here we are. So every week that we have raced a full-body car uh, in NASCAR or ARCA or our late models have always carried Race to Stop Suicide. And, um, you know, we were, I was on the phone earlier with a, with a great company, a nationally recognized company who, are, who, who want to be a part of the cause, and uh, you know, we've got a speaking engagement set for May 22nd at Daytona State College about race to stop suicide. It's, um, you know, we did a convention for a group uh, in the construction industry in Nashville uh, the Tuesday after Labor Day. Uh, you know, we go and do this all over the country, and um, I, I would say that, uh, you know. This is that part where it's not about Daniel Dye. It's not about me. It's about giving back. And um, and I, you know, it's not the most 
um, it doesn't have the most glitz and glitter and the most dazzle and all that, but it's necessary. And and uh, we're we're privileged to be able to carry that message. And uh, and I, you know, people like Kicks Country, Flagler Broadcasting, who really recognized the importance of this far earlier than most um, and have been an integral part of, uh, of this, this effort. Um, you know, I think that's – I would have to say, yeah, we want to win races, but I believe saving lives is a little bit more important. Well, you know, it, it brings back, and before we move on, um, when you first started talking about this, and you know, watching it develop, and now, in the in the in the space of time, which gosh, I don't remember how many years it's been now since we first started talking about this, and then all that's taken place. But in that uh, segment of time, both you and I uh, have faced this up close, in personal, in our own uh, family. So, uh, I think your last statement hits it right on the head. Uh, saving lives is. Uh, more important than anything else, and lives have been saved already, we know, from uh, race to stop suicide and, and the exposure to it. So, anyway, you get, and there's, an, there's another reason right there, ladies and gentlemen, as a memento, get your hands on this diecast. It's extremely cool, and uh, we'd love to see you have one. Go, go see Randy at the dealership. Make him give you a deal on a car while you're there, uh, on both cars, on the on the truck and on the you know whatever it's car of your choice. A new Challenger would be a great Christmas present. For me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just <agree>. saying. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of time flying by, and we're not going to go into the details of it yet because I want to get it all in front of me so we can really cover it. Champions Week in Nashville has taken place, and so there's lots of announcements uh, there coming up, and we'll get all that out to you next week. Uh, and then, Randy, uh, I know. Three months, in some cases, I know when I was in high school, three months seemed like a long time, but it's not very far uh, away, and that means in three months, a little less than that, the Daytona 500 will take place. And, Randy, it's already sold out. Uh, the NASCAR Cup Series opener is sold out uh, at the World Center of Racing, the Great American Race, and uh, the camping area is, is gone, and the seats are gone, and it's three months out, so... Uh, I don't know how many, how many in a row now I've had that in front of me, but several races in a row have been sold out, but this one has sold out faster, uh, than any, uh, any in history from what I'm reading in this press release. So, uh, pretty, pretty cool. It's already, already sold out. So if you're wanting to get tickets, uh, the grandstands in the camping area are sold out. Uh, so... <laughs> Well, uh, okay, yeah. right here, the earliest, the earliest the World Center of Racing has announced a sellout in the modern area, um, the ninth consecutive sell, sellout of the Great American Race. Limited fan zone and hospitality packages are available, including the Daytona 500 Club and 31 Degrees. So you have the latest scoop, but Wowzer, um, that's uh, that's that's good news for the sport. Well, I think it's it, it's further evidence of what you and I talk about you know, week after week after week, um, the, uh, uh, that, you know, the, the sport is healthy. Um, and, uh, you know, there's, there's, you can always find something to fuss and complain about, but the bottom line is nine in a row. Um, and this early, the earliest ever in the modern era. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that tells you that the sport's pretty healthy. Um, it's uh, and if you if you look at it, there's a lot of reasons why it's healthy. There's a lot. It's not luck. I mean, they they they're really good at what they do, and I I am still a firm believer. I hold on to this for sure that the way they navigated COVID nineteen and what they did to to not just sit and wait. And, and how they managed to be relevant, uh, everything from, you know, the, the, uh, the E-style racing, uh, actually on TV, to racing without, you know, the, they kept their bubble alive, if you will, 
without a crowd but still had the TV audience. They were the first sport, remember, to come back uh, from from the COVID situation. And I think it tells you about the innovators, the way they think, the can-do, the get-it-done, you know, which, oh, by the way, when you and I grew up, that's exactly what it meant to, that was part of the American dream. Exactly. Having those those types of qualities and that that type of philosophy. And so I, hey, (laughs) maybe it's a mystery to some. It's not a mystery to me. I completely understand why they're healthy. Yep, yep, and getting healthier, no doubt about it. Another piece of uh, of this, Randy, and it takes us back. Uh, and Mark has to remind me; it's fourteen or fifteen years to the very first trackside show that we ever did at uh, on on Five Hundred Weekend, the night before or the night of the Truck Series, a cold February night at the yeah. Daytona International Speedway, and we <laughs> the wind was blowing. We had us in a tent; we were still freezing. But we had front row motorsports on uh, in, yep. in, that, in that particular show. And then piecing that together with history, uh, David Reagan, uh, which drove uh, valiantly for front row motorsports, will join uh, RFK and try to qualify in the number 60 uh, car for the Daytona 500 with the intention of running multiple races throughout the 2024 season. So he does have to qualify. That uh, number sixty does not uh, does not have a charter, and has to qualify. But uh, it's going to be cool. I mean, David Reagan has won uh, at Daytona and at Talladega, so he's he's good on the big tracks. And we got David Reagan back in the sixty. That puts three Fords in the uh, RFK camp. Uh, makes them more dangerous, Randy. Well, I mean, I, what you just said at the end is a great point. Um, you know, the the more I guess the more bullets you have in the race, the better. Um, you know, the, you you now have your own drafting team, right? You get three three cars that can draft if the sixty makes the race. And be reminded right. that there's thirty six charters, and there's forty spots. So there's four cars that can make the race uh, that are out that are quote unquote independents. And you know, there's you can do that through through speed. Uh, you know, qualifying, and or you can do that through um, the qualifying races themselves. I, that's the second one that I'm aware of. Um, I've, I'm pretty sure that BJ McLeod has, uh, uh, Live Fast Motorsports has declared that he's going to, um, even though he sold his charter, remember he didn't sell the assets of the race team, he sold the right. charter. So he's going to race, uh, attempt to qualify, um, uh, you know, kind of the same way, and and run that race. So um, you could be, we could be in a position. Uh, I think it's highly likely a position where we'll have more cars trying to get in the Daytona 500 than they have spots for. Uh, it's kind of like um, the, the fans. Going to be more people who want to go that are going to have a seat. Well, it makes it makes a, it brings up a good point. One of these days, you think that the fans will have to qualify for a seat. <laughs> well, you kind of do. See, I've had my same seats for oh my gosh! I, I, it'd be nice. I guess that maybe I need to ask the ticket office how long. But it's it's in the it's from the very first time that they started doing renewals as opposed to buying your tickets every year. So I have had them that long, whatever that is. <laughs> those are great seats too. I, I love sitting in those seats right up above the, uh, the start finish line. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You got some good ones and you have uh, had them for a long time, but uh, yeah, we may have to qualify uh, for those seats one of these days. So hang on to them. Hang on there. No doubt about it. It's going to be fun to see David Reagan out there. I, I believe he will qualify. Uh, RFK is serious about the 60, getting it in there, and, and additional races in 2024. David has uh, great experience in driving and uh, a couple of wins there on the super speedway, so it's going to be fun to watch all that happen. Well, uh, he's he definitely knows his way around the super speedway racing, and you know I think uh, it's remarkable when you think about what RFK has done since, since uh, Keselowski has gone over there. Um, 
you know, I, I was I, I've, I know some people over there, and they were talking um, before uh, Brad came, but they they had they made a conscious decision um, in the last year of the the former generation of race car to really spend their focus and their engineering time and all of that effort and work on the new car. So while everybody raced it for the first time um, two years ago, they were already working on it. They, they were they were trying to understand it. So I think the combination of uh, Brad Keselowski and what he brings to the table, along with the plan that the, that the uh, then Roush Fenway had at, at getting ready for this new car, seems to have paid off because they are, um, you know, that you would have to argue. I mean, they're they're right there. That, that, the number one or number two four team. I mean, Blaney and Penske, I mean, he's the champion, so that has to be the number one team. But I think that uh, Rush Fenway would be Rush Fenway, K- K- RFK, Rush Fenway Keslowski. That's just too much to say. they got to figure out how to shorten that. Um, <laughs> they uh, did, RFK. <laughs> RFK, okay, yeah. Um, you know, I think they. you'd have to say they're, at, they're the second four team. Um, and doing a pretty doggone good job of it. Well, I I would agree. Uh, Brad's experience, Brad's family's experience, all that going into RFK, which is a big thing. And if we if we go back, if we rewind to the Daytona 500 this year, 2023, uh, both those cars came close, right there. Oh, to, yeah. to taking the 500. So hey, you know. When you get that close, both of us been in, in competitive sports. When you get that close, you're going to be probably more dangerous in 2024. So yeah, this is exciting news and cool. That, you know, 37 year old David Reagan is back uh, back in, on the track. That's going to be that's going to be fun to watch. Sure will. Uh, I look forward to it. I, it I, I, there's a lot going on. You know, besides people switching seats and sponsors and all that stuff, there's a lot more going on right now than 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 maybe what meets the eye. And and uh, I, I looked at. I want to see, and, and I'm talking about mostly from the competitive side, so that's going to be pretty cool stuff. Yeah, you know, uh, folks, I, I love how how we kind of work together because Randy says things, and we can bridge to other things. And he says uh, on how things meet the eye. If you go back uh, a couple of weeks ago, as the season ended, and we roll into the silly season, we you remember we had the Twilight Zone theme in there which is more than it meets the eye so this brings us to the next here's what we're going to do we're going to cover this segment and then take a break and come back and talk about what steve phelps has to say about all of this so are you ready we've been watching this and hearing rumors and uh, fighting and arguing and all of that over the media rights agreement and there has been a media rights agreement reached Uh, Just this week, uh, the first 14 cup races, Randy, will include the Clash and the All-Star Race, excuse me, and they will air uh, on the Fox family of networks, Fox Sports 1, Fox, all those. And then the next five races will air on Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime, I mean, for example, this week you saw the Dallas Cowboys playing on Amazon Prime, so they're getting more and more into that, uh, that area and so Amazon Prime, and then that's, so that's the next five. And then the next five will simulcast on TNT and the Bleacher Report uh, and uh, stream on add-on Max. So NASCAR is now getting into streaming. And then we can get into more detail on this later, but there's in all of this package, there's going to be qualifying that will be streamed and aired on True TV, et cetera, and, and – um, practice and so we're going to see more and more uh as the streaming starts and all this is happening with this package and then the last 14 races will air on the nbc family networks that we're used to now none of this starts it doesn't start next year randy it starts in 2025 Uh, but this is like uh over a billion dollars a year sponsorship several billion overall a big big deal so i would ask you before we take a break as an NASCAR fan, so you're going to be kind of scattered on lots of different networks. 
Is this going to be confusing for the fans to figure? I mean, to me, it's a little bit confusing as it's been. To, okay, where's it going to be this this week? Excuse me. So, what do you what do you think about this so far? And then, I, and we come back to break. We're going to talk about the dollars and and the, what, what's being said by Steve Phelps uh, with NASCAR. But what, what do you think here? Well, yeah, I mean, as a as a NASCAR fan um, for a long time, uh, yeah, this is. Um, this is this makes me uncomfortable. Uh, why? Well, because I'm in a routine, and I want to know that my NASCAR race is on a certain network, on a certain channel, at a certain time, and um, and that's just the way it is. Um, you know, he starts talking about streaming to me. That's like me going out fishing and having to don't want to get out of the water to uh, to go use the bathroom. That's streaming. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, I, I, so, I, you are know, we still on the air? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't push the button. I don't think. Um, so, uh, you know, it, yeah, clearly it makes me uncomfortable. Uh, you know, I, I, I go back to the days. We all go back to the days when, you know, these races were on ESPN, and and that's the way it was, and we knew what time they were going to be, and that you know you could just set, set your clock by by it. Well, the 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 sport. All the things that are a part of it, it demands different. And, um, you know, if you're NASCAR, it's a commodity. If you, you know, uh, uh, the, uh, the the way you're breaking it up is bringing a massive amount of um, money to the table, which obviously then translates um, to, uh, you know, they, typically there's a revenue share agreement with the teams and, all that sort of thing. So uh, that NASCAR has to do that. Um, I think the real, to answer your question more succinctly, they have the greater responsibility. Okay, yes. they're going to have to communicate yep. the way people, uh, the way others communicate. So yeah, sure. There's a lot of people that can go to the NASCAR app and say, bingo, okay, where's the race? It's on this, this network at this time. Okay, or I can find it on this streaming service. Or, okay, whatever the case might be. Um, but not everybody uses the NASCAR app. So the challenge, in my view, for the NASCAR team and the networks is to make sure they're communicating where you're going to get to see it. I think when you and I discuss next year, you know, we always do the TV rating conversation, right? Well, you know, last year we had a we had a a, a two four rating, and this year we had a three one rating, and so I think we have to probably consider, you know, those five those five and fives, the two different the two different combinations. That's going to be difficult to compare it to this year because you got a whole different a whole different set of circumstances. And a whole different type of network, and so, you know, there'll be media. They're going to say, "Oh, NASCAR's plan in 2025 didn't work," right? Oh, because, of course it will. Yes, yeah, because they will. It, because they're comparing it to 2023, which we didn't have that that plan. So it's not it's not um, it's not apples and apples. Um, but I think. We started this show talking about the health of the sport, right? Yep. When when you take a combined media plan that that's equals um, that equals more money, that kind of money, then you've got to say it's a pretty healthy sport because that's an astronomical amount of money. Yes, I mean it's it's several billions, like one point four per year, for example. But you ha- you make another point before we go to break uh, that in twenty twenty five with this new program and all these different networks, you're going to have to let the audience know where it is. Uh, you know, in in radio we talk about well, you need a frequency of three point two. In other words, the the message needs to be heard by the human mind 3.2 times before they make a, a decision or, or move on it. Or like I've said, because I was raised in Oklahoma, you 
have to show a cow where the salt lick is. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, uh, you know, <clears throat> you know, once you show them, okay. But NASCAR is really going to have to promote it, and you're utilizing, you know, all forms of media, radio, television, social media, all of that to to week after week let people know, okay, this week, this is where we're going to be. So, and interesting stuff, no doubt about it. Uh, the upside, of course, or maybe it's an upside. It's hard to figure what the streaming is going to be like, but opportunity to see practice and qualifying and all that will be great for some folks. So, mm, anyway, it has happened. It's a done deal. It uh, was done this week, and it uh, is uh, has been finalized finally. There's a lot that went on about that. And when we come back from the break, we're going to talk some more about this and uh, some comments from President Steve Phelps at NASCAR. So don't go anywhere. We've got a lot more to cover on Trackside. We are brought to you tonight. And ladies and gentlemen, remind you that it's Christmas shopping time. So we are brought to you and our, our sponsors that make this program work. We are brought to you by Daytona Dodge Chrysler Jeep and Ram. A great place to buy Christmas gifts. Daytona Dodge, of course, has got the Challenger. You got Petty's Garage over there. Daytona's Garage where you can get stuff for your vehicle. So, hey, check that out. Bush Beer, Daytona Beverage and Daytona on tap. Solar Fit and Southeastern Sports. Like I said, don't go anywhere. We have a lot more to talk about on Trackside. We'll be right back. It's almost Bush o'clock. A time for relaxing and unwinding with a crisp, cold Bush beer. It's the most refreshing time of the day. Wait for it. Three, two, one. Bush. Crisp, cold, bush. Enjoy responsibly. Bush beer. Anheuser-Busch, St. Louis, Missouri. Hey, y'all, this is Chris from Southeastern Sports, 209 South State Street in Bunnell. Come and see the largest selection of in-stock firearms in Flagler County. 60-day, same-as-cash layaway. Got a huge used gun selection. Largest selection of ammunition. No matter what you need, we got you covered. Daytona's Garage is a dream factory where the improbable becomes reality. Being a dream of performance, design, or style, we make the blank canvas of your vehicle into a personal masterpiece. Detail, commitment, and craftsmanship transforms your dreams into something enjoyed for the miles ahead. Simple to complex, we're devoted to putting imagination into your driveway. The Daytona's Garage. Your ride, our passion. Hi folks, Bill Gallagher with SolarFit here. Have you ever thought about utilizing solar power for your home or business? Well, there's never been a better time to plug into the sun and stop renting electricity. How would you like to let your roof start paying you each month? Give us a call at 445-7606, that's 445-7606, or visit us at SolarFit.com and set yourself free. SolarFit your life and set yourself free with the sun's free energy. All right, welcome back to Trackside, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Friday, and man, days are flying by. It's uh, we're in the Christmas season. I hope it's going to be wonderful for everybody. So, uh, Christmas for some with this new deal. Um, but a lot of talk in the past months about NASCAR and the Cup teams and profitability and teams meeting and complaining, and there's been a lot of, of back and forth on this and. So this is an interesting release, and I've got two of them here that I just want to real, cover really quickly uh, that I've got this week. NASCAR President Steve Phelps confirmed what a lot of team executives have been saying for years. Cup Series teams are not currently a profitable endeavor. Uh, Steve Phelps said in a Zoom meeting race uh, during the race industry week on Monday that NASCAR needed to figure out how to make owning a Cup Series team more make more financial sense. Uh, with sponsorship at a premium, teams have been stretching to find as much money as they can to cover their ever-increasing costs, and it's clear that NASCAR is uh, not sustainable the way that they're going. And, you know, the second one talks about, and we all thought, uh, and maybe we still think, that uh, with with the new car uh, that came out in 2021, that would be a panacea that uh, – one of the biggest selling points that NASCAR had was the new with the new design. It's going to be a possibility of a lot lower cost uh, through parts built by a single vendor. Instead, the team said that they're spending more than ever 
through the first two seasons of the next gen car with so many parts coming from same suppliers, the easiest way to implement a cost cap would be to put a pri- put cr- price controls on the parts largely used by the Cup Series teams. In other words, uh, you know the, these vendors are keep jacking the uh, the price of the parts, and the vent- the uh, teams are made to buy them from these vendors. So they're talking about a cap here, but you know things that we've heard the we thought, well, these drivers are just complaining, these teams are just complaining. Now the, the president of NASCAR has come out and said, hey, these guys, the Cup teams are not profitable. So, I mean, you're a guy kind of on the inside of this, and we've talked a lot about it. This was kind of a kind of a tap on the back here when I saw this today. So what do you think? I like Steve Phelps. Um, I would say every form of motorsport always tries to uh, reduce costs. I mean, it, it, let's say in the last 20 years, 25 years, that is a number one conversation. It's it, no matter what, whether you're racing at New Smyrna Speedway or you're racing around the country in a national series, what it costs to do so is uh, is a big, you know, it's a big topic of conversation. And it's not just about the parts and the pieces. Um, it, it's certainly the people. Um, and, and, and you cannot take for granted what it costs um, uh, it, to, for travel. Um, it's, that's a big piece. And if you think about it, uh, a lot of these NASCAR weekends are now much, they're compressed. You know, I remember <clears throat> when... Um, you know, I'll use Mark Martin as an example. I mean, he, part part of the reason why the Little New Smyrna quarter midget track got built was because of um, Mark Martin's schedule that <clears throat> he had to keep to be a NASCAR Cup Series driver. You know, he wanted to be able to see his son Matt race quarter midgets, and so um, so we, you know, I went out and we. Built the quarter midget track down at New Smyrna Speedway, and so they they could race on Wednesday nights, and uh, and then uh, Matt, Mark uh, Mark would be able to leave on Thursday morning for whatever the destination, whatever was on the schedule, you know. And he didn't get home until Sunday night sometimes, uh, and that's if if there was no rain delays or anything. So those were that's a long travel. That's a long part of a week. Uh, a lot of travel. So they've they've eliminated certain things, but listen, the the is there more they can do? I'm sure there is, um, but I I don't. The one thing I don't like is the I don't necessarily completely agree with Steve um, that owning a NASCAR team is not profitable. Um, these are smart people. They're smart people. They they're not doing this. Um, uh, just to um, just because it's the way they want to spend their weekend, uh, they, they they know how to turn it into a business. They know how to turn it into um, uh, something that makes sense to them. Uh, there's a lot of different reasons why you do it, for sure. But I would say that uh, <clears throat> I, I don't feel um, I don't feel um, overly compassionate, <laughs> if you will. Uh, for the the plight of a NASCAR team owner, um, you know I know how hard it is to be the the owner of a race team. Uh, get it, um, and and I know what it costs. Um, but it's you know it, uh, you're not going to get a lot of sympathy from me. This is it's something you chose to do. So what I would rather say or hear is, hey, you know, cost uh, efficiencies and um, out-of-control costs are not sustainable. It's not a sustainable model for the sport. Certain things start to happen. So, uh, you know, the squeeze on on uh, uh, the, the drivers start to fuss and the team owners start to fuss and they want bigger piece of the revenue. And so... You know, I think the bigger picture here is how do we contain costs at a reasonable level so that this sport is sustainable for the next 50 years? Will it change some? Of course. But, but 
you know, how do we ensure the, the, the sustainability of the sport? That's the way I look. Well, that's a good point. And I guess what I, I like seeing is at least it's on the table, it's being discussed, there's awareness. And, you know, we've seen, just like you mentioned with COVID, uh, NASCAR go through issues and challenges and they figured it out and came out on top. Um, so let's just hope that's what happens here. And, uh, you know, we've, as we say in 2025, you got $1.4 billion or $1.7 billion deal per year. Um, I believe this is a five-year contract. I have to look, go back and look at it. But, um, you know, maybe they share that. I don't know how they're going to work it out. But uh, we'll see. But at least it's being discussed, and, and that's that's good news. No doubt about that. Well, you know, you know, the but, other thing you got you got to be careful of, and I, I think that maybe there is a point in time when the single-source parts provider maybe becomes you, – you, you get another one. You introduce another one so you get some competition in right. there. Right? Uh, now, be right. careful because – if the second provider is better than the first provider, then everybody goes over and buys his stuff. Well, the price goes up, and it didn't really, it didn't accomplish the mission, right? So you got to be careful about that. I can tell you, in, in, having been a racer for as long as I can remember, you know what? Everybody loved the idea when we went to, um, you know, a, a kind of a spec motor, um, uh, a, a, a crate motor. There's all kinds of these different different ideas. And then we forgot to we forgot to uh, put rules with regard to the suspension and the shocks. So what used to be a two hundred dollars shock that's now twelve hundred dollars because we saved a few thousand bucks on the motor. You just you you just increase the cost of what you do to the suspension to carry the speed through the corner by five hundred percent. So right. <laughs> you know those are the kinds of things you got to be careful about. Well, I agree with you. You know, a monopoly is sometimes, sometimes, or most of the times, doesn't work out well because human nature will, hey, there's nowhere else to go, so let's raise the prices. It's just going to be interesting to watch. At least it's being discussed and openly, and and uh, uh, maybe we're going to get some solutions. So that's that's what I'm hoping for because, yeah, we we got to have NASCAR continue, uh, like you said, for the next 50 years. So let's get it figured out, guys. Uh, speaking of figuring out, you know, we're big fans of RCR, and, and I've become a fan of uh, Kyle Busch, which I never thought I would say. They had a great <laughs> first half of the season, and yeah. the second half uh, kind of, you know, came off the track a little bit and um, not so great. But they've uh, made some, like like we're just talking about with NASCAR, they've made some changes internally at RCR. Andy Petrie has been promoted to executive vice president, uh, Richard Childress Racing. This guy has got, you know, 35 years plus of, of experience. Uh, Justin Alexander inside that uh, has been promoted to competition director for RCR. Um, Eric Kamenik uh, is uh, up to technical director. So they're making some changes inside uh, the, the organization to help things track. And then, you know, there's a lot of talk too, and I don't know what you know about this, but the Australian uh, race car driver Brody uh, Kosecki. Uh, talk that he's going to be coming to RCR. I know they're looking at some development drivers and and some new drivers and so on and so forth on RCR. Richard Childress is a competitor, as we both know, so they're going to get it figured out, won't they, Randy? You know, he's a friend, um, and um, I, I'm, uh, there's not enough enough that I can say about Richard Childress. I mean, he really, first off, a lot of guys made a lot of money before they got into racing, right? And 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 they so they had other successes in their life before they decided to get into racing. Richard Childress got into racing and has had successes that have allowed him to get into other things. So when I when I what's to clarify, Richard Childress's success has come from racing, and that spawned a lot of other things that he does. Um, so I really have a great deal of respect for him. The other thing I have a great deal of respect for is he is so highly involved in Richard Childress Racing and, and what goes on there and who he meets with and what he talks about, what the vision is and what the philosophy is. Um, you know, it, this is not a name, uh, 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 the owner of the company in name only. He's in the game, and, um, and that's pretty special, honestly. Um, and competitive, oh my gosh! Um, I'm not sure there's anybody more competitive, honestly. 
and I don't mean just in racing. You know, he's uh, Richard is a highly competitive person, and and he has phenomenal people. I've I've been there several times. I've met a lot of his team. I mean, so many people have worked there so long, um, and it's because they're challenged. It's not just a. It's not an easy place because they're constantly challenging themselves to get better. And these types of decisions that you just kind of rattled off there, um, it's all part of that. Um, and, you know, and by the way, that whole uh, you didn't think you'd ever be a, say, you're a Kyle Busch fan. You've been a closet Kyle Busch fan for as long as you and I have been doing this show. You keep trying to tell me, you know, he, Kyle Busch has changed his ways. He's, a, you know, look, at he's about, you know. So you've been, you just haven't been able to step out and say it until now. Okay, so, so folks, this... <laughs> Listen, we don't want to get into politics, but, you know, if you watch politicians today, they say stuff, and you know that's just, you know, <laughs> it's the opposite of what, it's kind of like the Danica thing, you know, I've always taken up, you know, so, so oh. that being said, we, we I would I would repeat the, uh, it came out in the uh, the Animal House movie, it was kind of a cough, and it had a, the BS mixed into oh, it. Oh, so my goodness. <laughs> Okay, Mark, you got to take that one out. I'm just telling you. <laughs> Go ahead. It's too late. It's too late. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, anyway, you know, a lot of people don't realize, Randy, that before the Dale Earnhardt years with RCR, Richard Childress was a driver himself. Absolutely. He was a driver himself. Um, and the number three, to be clear to everybody, was Richard Childress's number, not Dale right. Earnhardt's number. That was Richard Childress's number. Dale yeah, Earnhardt awesome. clearly made it famous, but that yes. number is Richard Childress's. And, and, you know, as winning a car owner it is, and team owner as Richard Childress was, he never won a NASCAR race. Oh, yeah, I did not. I didn't know that. I just was going back and looking at some old tapes uh, with Richard Childress driving, and he was in the three, but I, I didn't realize he had never won. No doubt about that. So. I think you can find online uh, on YouTube – an interview uh, with Richard Childress about how he started and what his first race car cost and um, uh, what he paid to do it and how, 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 how it all got started. It is a story worth listening to. Okay, so nice segue into this one. Speaking of stories to look into, uh, YouTube has got a documentary on the first time Richard Petty ever saw the new Daytona track uh, after Mr. France got that thing going. Uh, uh, Richard Petty's got this documentary and talking about racing on the Daytona International Speedway for the first time. I mean, these guys came from, you know, mostly dirt tracks or if not all dirt tracks, all short tracks back then. So you can find this and it's, it's certainly awesome to see. Uh, and it's it's pretty short, but go to uh, hashtag shift, hashtag, hashtag Daytona, hashtag Petty on YouTube. And it, it's got Richard talking about in some videos of the early days and the first time in awe Richard Petty ever saw the Daytona International Speedway. Now we kind of take Daytona for granted uh, to what it really is. And if you haven't been to the track since they remodeled it, what a big change and so on and so forth. But it, it is uh, awe-inspiring, that, that racetrack. And now you look at the history on that racetrack out there right across from your dealership, Randy, is an amazing thing. Well, it, it's, it's um, the part that's amazing to me. You know, I, I was able to see it for years before I was able to drive on it. And, and I, I've got to tell you, it was intimidating um, to drive on it for the first time. I remember going off of pit road and, um, go, you know, you kind of, you had to follow the blend line, just like you, just like you were racing that day. And, um, so you're kind of on the bottom for a long time. And then all of a sudden there's this mountain looking at you and, and you know that it's the next time around, as a matter of fact, once you get down to the other end, uh, to turn three, you're going to be up on that mountain. And, um, <laughs> You know, and, and your brain at that moment is going. This isn't supposed to work like this. You know, Richard Perry talks and, about being being up on top on on that that you're talking about, and he got black flagged 
for being up there. Uh, so you got to see that real quickly, too, as we ran out of time. Uh, we did a Boys and Girls Club event years ago uh, during bike week, and I had a custom Harley. A couple, three of us guys had custom Harleys, and a buddy got us into the Boys and Girls Club thing, and we got to ride our motorcycles on the racetrack, Randy, which is an unforgettable in my mind, I'll tell you. We, they did not allow us to go uh, up on up on the uh, – yeah, but we, we got to ride on the track, which was – and come through the tunnel just like, you know – Richard Petty talked about in the old days, so that was something. Oh, I, I'm I'm quite sure that was something. I I, uh, I can't uh, I can't even imagine uh, you know that taking a motorcycle around there. You know, you don't really have to be up on the bank. You can be on the apron and look up and be like, "Wow!" And then <laughs> if you do happen to come off the turn four and get up on the racetrack a little bit, even coming through the trioval and understanding. The level of banking that's there, right on the trial trialable, it's it's uh, <laughs> it'll get your attention. Now, I will say to you that it's very different um, being in a passenger car versus being in a race car. You know, the race car is low to the ground, sitting down on the racetrack. A passenger car, even the hot rods that we have around today, um, are still really they feel almost like they're uh, an SUV compared to a race car. So mm-hmm. it's a much more comfortable feeling being in a race car, you know, pushing down on the uh, pushing down on the racetrack than being kind of sitting up on top of the racetrack in a passenger car. I will say that. Oh yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. We have flown through our time. I just want to let everybody know real quickly. We've uh, heard from Matt De Benedetto this week, and he's uh, he says he's still working on 2024 plans. He's not out. He's not going to retire yet. Uh, he's just, uh, we hear this over and over, Randy. Uh, he says the short answer is he's working on sponsors. So uh, love to see Matt get back in there in the truck series or wherever he can find it. He, but he is definitely working on it. Wanted everybody to know. Ladies and gentlemen, we sure appreciate you being with us. I hope you have a great weekend. Happy Friday to you. And thank you for listening to Trackside. We'll see you next week. Keep the race track, everybody. 